It was September 6, 2004. Charles Nielsen didn't have to go to work that day. He was a high school English teacher, and it was Labor Day, so he was enjoying his day off until he got a phone call that I'm sure no one would ever want to get. His son, Christian Charles Nielsen, was on the other line, and he told his father to come to the Black Bear Bed and Breakfast in New Remaine. Charles and his wife, Lee, arrived shortly after, and when the two walked in, they were met with a grisly sight. Clear as day was a bloody trail where bodies were dragged outside and into the woods. Charles saw this and immediately called the police. This all starts in 2004, when mother and daughter pair Julie and Selby Bullard decided to leave San Francisco behind to start a new life in Newry, Maine. 65-year-old Julie was born on July 22, 1941, in Amarillo, Texas, and she had an extraordinarily colorful life. When she was young, her father was a pilot for Pan American Airlines, and that allowed her to travel the world and experience life in international cities like Hong Kong, Mexico City, and London. Everyone who knew Julie loved her little quirks, like her passion for teacups, antiquing, and fine crumb cakes. She also had three dogs she adored. Their names were Rose, Buster, and Lolly. So cute. After spending 24 years working in sales, Julie wanted to change things up. She wanted a career change and to try something new. So she bought a cozy seven-room home in San Francisco's Castro neighborhood and turned it into her very own inn, which she named Church Street Bed and Breakfast. It was a pretty tough job, but she loved it. In 2002, Julie was excited to expand her business and purchased a six-bedroom converted farmhouse in New Remain. It was called the Black Bear Bed and Breakfast. Now, New Remain is a quiet little town with a population of just about 400 people. The town is home to a Sunday River ski resort, so it attracted a lot of tourists during winter season. 30-year-old Selby Bullard was born in Lakeport, California on June 21st, 1976. She was an adoring mother to two children, an 11-year-old daughter named Leela and a 9-year-old son named Elliot. The kids called Julie their grandmother, Dammy, and the four were very, very close. Selby had a tremendous lust for life, and she was known for her ability to bring fun and humor into any situation. She worked in California selling designer eyewear for opticians, and she was so talented at her work. Have you ever had an optician who would look at your face, hair, and what you're wearing and grab the exact frames you need? Like you try all of them on, and they're literally perfect on you. Well, that was Selby, and her clients were always in awe of her ability to find the perfect frames for their faces. Now, tragically, Selby lost her husband to a fatal car accident, and she suddenly became a single mother of two children. One day, she realized she needed a change and a fresh new start, and that was also around the time her mom, Julie, was looking to buy the Black Bear Bed and Breakfast, 
So it kind of just seemed like perfect timing. So she also picked up her life and moved with her mom to Maine in 2004. Now they're both in Maine. They're trying to settle in and make new friends. And in 2006, Selby decided to switch up her career and she got her real estate license. Soon, she started working part-time at Apple Tree Realty in Bethel, Maine. And that was where she met 43-year-old Cindy Beetson, who became her best friend. They got so close so quickly, and they were basically inseparable. Cindy was from Sudbury, Massachusetts, but she decided to move to Maine to work at the Sunday River Ski Resort in Bethel. She had only planned on staying for ski season, but as fate would have it, Cindy would soon meet her future husband, Douglas, who also worked at the resort. Cindy and Douglas quickly fell in love, and the two were married on March 26, 1994. They had their daughter, Carly, shortly after their wedding on July 14, 1994, and Maine had officially become their home. Cindy was such a loving and outgoing person who would light up every room she entered. She brought joy with her everywhere she went. So Selby and Cindy, they're best friends, and together they were just like a big bundle of positivity and happiness, and their energies would just bounce off of each other. Julie loved running the B&B, and her clientele loved her right back. She was known to be a super charming hostess who loved to host pajama parties and snap pictures of her guests so she could learn their names by heart. She wanted everyone to feel like this was their home away from home. Two years later, Julie fell upon very hard times, and she had to make a tough decision to sell the Black Bear Bed and Breakfast in 2006. The BNB simply wasn't drumming up enough business during the off season. So she decided to move to Brooklyn to live with her other daughter. Now, while the inn was on the market, Julie welcomed two long-term guests, James Whitehurst and Christian Charles Nielsen. James, or Jimmy, he was 50 years old and he was a native of Batesville, Arkansas, but he spent most of his adult life in California and Florida. Jimmy had been in the salvage business, but he was also receiving social security for his disability. When Jimmy was only three years old, he got sick with polio and he had to spend three years of his life in an iron lung. And instead of letting it crush his spirit, Jimmy became even more determined to prove how capable he was. Despite his limp, young Jimmy was full of life, and he loved to dance, play, and ride his bike. He later moved to Maine with his common-law wife, and the two lived there for about five years with their four children, 7-year-old Juanita, 10-year-old Jacqueline, 15-year-old Jim, and 16-year-old Jamie. A few years later, Jimmy and his wife split up, and he went to go live with his sister in Arkansas. However, he soon went back to Maine looking to gain custody of his two youngest children, Juanita and Jacqueline. This is when Jimmy met Julie and began the next chapter of his life at the Black Bear Bed and Breakfast. Julie was sympathetic for Jimmy's struggle, and she did her best to help him get his children back. She let him stay at the B&B for free, and in return, he would become the B&B's handyman, doing paint jobs and other repairs. The other resident was 31-year-old Christian Charles Nielsen, born to his father, Charles, and his mother, Patricia, from Brumford, Maine. Christian had a rocky childhood. His parents got divorced when he was four, and in 1980, a judge sent him and his little sister to live with his dad, Charles, two years later. 
Charles insisted that allowing his two children to live with their mother was a disaster waiting to happen. What worried him the most was his ex-wife's relationship with her then-boyfriend Michael Lewitt. Michael was always in trouble with the police and even served in-state prison for burglary, theft, and receiving stolen property. According to the court, Christian and his sister had gone through several worrisome behavioral changes such as uncontrolled urinating, excessive belligerence, and unusual nervousness. The judge presiding over the case found that, quote, the behavior of the mother has not been consistent with the sort of emotional stability that is most valuable to young, impressionable children. The rest of Christian's childhood was defined by several custody battles and divorces by both parents. Still, his friends and teachers described him as a normal kid. Between 2001 and 2004, Christian attended the University of Maine to study English. He wanted to follow in the footsteps of his dad, who was a high school English teacher. And it was around that time that Christian had begun having violent fantasies. He also struggled with a drinking problem and got his license taken away in 2005 for driving under the influence. After college, Christian began working at the Family Fair restaurant in Farmington, Maine. He told his co-workers that this would be the year he'd get his life figured out. No more drinking. Instead, he was going to join the military for some much-needed structure. But despite these claims, he continued working at the restaurant until he was fired. In July 2006, Christian had begun staying at the Black Bear Bed and Breakfast while working as a line cook at the Sudbury Inn in Bethel. He was described by his employer as a soft-spoken, a good cook, and a reliable employee. On Friday, September 1st, 2006, it was the beginning of Labor Day weekend. Christian asked Jimmy if he wanted to go fishing with him at a family camp in Upton, Maine. As a lover of the outdoors, Jimmy said yes, and then the two went to a local subway for lunch. After lunch, they found a good spot in the woods, and Christian told Jimmy he had to go to the bathroom. Christian then bummed a cigarette from Jimmy, and the two started smoking. When Jimmy was just about finished with a cigarette, Christian calmly stood up, turned around, walked behind Jimmy, and shot him in the back of the head. Jimmy's body fell forward, and Christian shot him again, just to make sure he was dead. Later, when asked about why he wanted to kill Jimmy, Christian responded very calmly, I just objected to his presence. After Jimmy was shot, Christian dragged his body deeper into the woods. He left his body there and went to work his shift at the Sudsbury Inn. The next morning, Christian went back to the woods with a shovel and some gasoline. He started a fire and burned his body, and then buried the remains in a shallow grave. Now, Christian knew it wouldn't be long before Julie would notice that Jimmy was missing, and so in his mind, the next logical step was to get rid of Julie. He decided to go through with it two days later on September 3rd. Julie usually slept until noon, but Christian felt like he had no time to wait. He got his gun and carefully creeped around the house to the window where Julie slept. He tried to quietly open the window and remove the screen, but the sound was louder than he anticipated. He had to be careful because Julie's face was right there by the window. If she opened her eyes, she'd spot him immediately. He decided to ditch the plan and he made his way into the B&B towards Julie's bedroom. He started trying to kick in the door, but the door would not 
budge. So he rammed it with his shoulders until the lock popped off and the door swung open. Julie was scared out of her mind. She sat right up and screamed and Christian shot her three times in the head, chest, and back with no hesitation. The shots forced her body out of the bed and back into the wall. And Christian would later call this moment amazing. With Julie now dead, he crudely cut her body in half with a hacksaw and an axe. He then dragged her body out of the inn and into the woods and covered her up with a tarp. And just like with Jimmy, Christian went right back to work as if nothing had happened. He ended work at 10 p.m. and then he went back to the B&B and went to bed. The next morning on Monday, September 4th, he woke up, he had breakfast, and he continued business as usual, like nothing was out of the ordinary. He then walked over to one of Julie's dogs, and for no reason, he just shot it dead. He would later say his reasoning for it was that the dog was around 12 or 13 years old, and that was way longer than he thought a dog should be alive. Selby and Cindy were on their way to the B&B. It was Labor Day, and they hadn't heard from Julie in a couple days. The two women walked up the driveway to the front door and they were just talking like best friends do. And that's when Christian spotted them. Christian walked over to Selby and Cindy and they immediately started asking about Julie. Is everything okay? Is something wrong with Julie? They kept asking him questions and he didn't know what to say. All he could think about was he needed to get rid of them. Cindy began talking to Christian when all of a sudden he heard Selby go into Julie's bedroom. Selby started saying something and Christian told Cindy to go ahead and follow her to the room, which she did. Although Christian had done his best to wipe up most of the blood, Selby saw that the door was busted. She knew in her bones something was terribly wrong. In shock, Shelby asked, did you kill my mother? Right as the words left her mouth, Christian whipped out his gun and shot Cindy in the back of the head. She crumpled right down to the floor, just as Jimmy had the other night. Without missing a beat, Christian then turned and shot Selby in the head. He shot Cindy once more in the torso for good measure, and then he dragged the two women's bodies outside. He cut them up with a hacksaw and a chainsaw. He then cut off their fingers in order to remove their rings, and he placed them in a duffel bag. Christian suddenly remembered the other two dogs, and he was worried that they would bring the dismembered remains inside, so he went to the other two dogs and shot them too. When this was all said and done, he called his dad Charles to the B&B, and his dad arrived shortly later with his wife Lee. When the two walked in, there was a bloody trail where Christian had dragged the bodies outside and into the woods. Charles saw this and immediately called the police. At around 5.30 p.m., Trooper Dan Hansen with the Maine State Police received a dispatch about an unattended death at the Black Bear Inn. Once he arrived, Charles told Hansen that he found bodies near the inn and he believed his son, Christian, was the one who killed them. The trooper radioed in for backup and turned to Christian and Charles who were sitting on a bench. He asked them what was going on, to which Christian looked at his name tag and said, Well, I killed some people, Dan. I shot them all. The guns in the house in the tool chest. With a clear confession, Trooper Hansen read Christian his Miranda rights and handcuffed him and put him in the back of his police car. With Christian in the car, Hansen turned to the trail of blood which led out of the inn and threw the grass into some brush. 
There, he discovered the remains of Selby and Cindy, as well as the bodies of the two dogs. The massacre at the Black Bear Bed and Breakfast shook the entire community. The last time the town had seen something so horrific was 14 years earlier when an arson fire took the lives of four people. Initially, Christian pleaded not guilty, and he was to be held at Oxford County Jail until his trial. But later, he attacked another inmate, which caused him to be transferred to another county jail. While in jail, Christian went on a hunger strike, and he lost a whopping 55 pounds, causing him to drop from 158 pounds to 103 pounds. He was threatened with a court-ordered feeding tube, so he started to eat again. In December of 2006, Christian got in trouble once again because he carved an X onto his scalp with a razor, and so he was placed on suicide watch. After all of this, Christian's lawyer changed his plea from not guilty to not criminally responsible for the murders, and he was transferred to the Riverview Psychiatric Center for an evaluation. There, he was analyzed by two psychiatrists, Dr. Anne LeBlanc and Dr. Charles Robinson, who diagnosed him with Asperger's syndrome and schizoid personality disorder. Some symptoms of schizoid personality disorder are having the desire to be alone all the time, finding it difficult to express emotion, having no reaction to praise or criticism, disinterest in close relationships, disinterest in other people in general, and acting cold and uncaring towards people. Despite his diagnosis, the judge came to the conclusion that Christian met the legal standard for competency set by the state Supreme Court, and so Christian changed his plea to guilty to avoid having to go to trial. During his sentencing, Julie's stepdaughter read a statement written by Selby's 10-year-old son, Elliot. In this statement, which he titled, How My Life Changed and I Was Forever Wounded, the little boy wrote about how he couldn't understand why Christian would take the lives of his mother and grandmother. He wrote, They have all walked the stairway to heaven. At least there's no violence up there. Christian Charles Nielsen was sentenced to life in prison on October 18, 2007, and will spend the rest of his life in Maine State Prison.